It is important, of course, to talk about songwriting and to talk about all of the hard skills that come along with songwriting, but sometimes it's also important to talk about some of the psychological aspect of songwriting and really the game within the game of how do we make sure that in 10 years we are still songwriters? Because a lot of people will pick up certain hobbies and then drop them. They'll start to learn piano and drop it. Then they'll be like, oh, my new thing's going to be skiing. And then they go to one lesson, they don't figure it out fast enough and they quit that. So how do we make sure that for us, songwriting is not that, and even if we have been doing it for a while, that in 10 years, we will still be songwriting. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy day or week to talk songwriting with me. Glad that there are people out there that care enough about the craft of songwriting to spend any time listening to this podcast. You could be listening to Joe Rogan or somebody else, but yet you're listening to a songwriting podcast. That's awesome. That means you really care about songwriting. And if you really care about songwriting, that probably means that you care about being a songwriter still 10 years from now, which is what we're talking about today. But maybe, hey, you're not a songwriter yet, or maybe you've been struggling recently and you're thankful this episode's coming around because you're thinking, man, I just, I've been in a rut and I'm starting to get worried. I'm starting to think, man, I'm, I'm just running out of creativity. I'm going to stop songwriting. Maybe I don't enjoy it as much anymore. If you're in that scenario or you're new to songwriting, be sure to check out my free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song. As you know, if you've been a listener for any amount of time, really, I'm a big fan of changing up how you start a song because just like if you're dropped at a different place on an island, your experience of that island is going to be radically different. If you're dropped in the middle, you might not even know it's an island. You just walk around and you're like, wow, it's a big forest. If you're dropped near the volcano, you might have a very different view of it than somebody who's dropped at the beach because where you start somewhat affects where you end up going. So with that in mind, sometimes it's helpful creatively to just drop the guitar for a second. Don't actually drop it. You don't want to break it, but drop the guitar, whatever your main way of songwriting is, and do something different. Start with a bass line. Start with a sound that you make. Start by coming up with an interesting theme or reverse engineering a song idea by coming up with a song title that you think is very compelling. And then from there, figuring out, okay, that's a cool title. Now, what would that song be about? That can be a great way to change it up just a little bit to get you creatively going. I said creatively very weird there. Not sure what happened, but it is what it is, I guess. So again, be sure to check it out, songwritertheory.com slash free guide. In this episode, we're talking about three tips to make sure that you and I are still songwriters and are still songwriting 10 years from now. Because... We all know people who have quit many things, right? Whether it's people we know who started to write a book and then they got like three chapters in and quit. People who really got into some random hobby. Maybe they were like, man, I'm going to be a skateboarder at 16. And then by 17, they already forgot they had a skateboard. We all know people do that. Everybody's done that for some things. Some people perpetually do that for everything and never 
stay doing one thing ever. Uh, and maybe that's been you in the past. So good news is we're talking about how to make sure this isn't you next time around for songwriting. And the first way to make sure that we're still songwriting 10 years from now is to get work done, but don't let it become work. Anything worth doing is sometimes going to be work. Whether it's writing a novel or making a movie or painting or songwriting or anything else, any project, any business, anything, the entire process is not going to be enjoyable. It's just not. Is it, or once in a while it might be, right? There might be one painting that was just a blast from beginning to end or a song that was a blast from beginning to end. But that is the exception, not the rule. So if you always force yourself to be having fun every moment that you're songwriting, you are probably going to have lower quality songs because the second the sledding gets tough, when you can't get that second verse lyric to work quite right, you're just going to be like, oh, it's not fun anymore, so I guess I'll call the song done, even though the second verse is trash. And then your songs are going to suffer for it. And overall, your skill as a songwriter is going to suffer for it because, again, anything that's fulfilling, that's actually worth doing, no matter how much you enjoy that thing, at some point, if you take it seriously, it's going to be work. There's going to be times where songwriting isn't fun, which may sound counter intuitive and counterproductive because you're like, well, I thought I'd do this because I enjoy it. And hopefully that is one of the main reasons that you do it. And and why you songwrite really isn't important to what we're talking about today. But there's a bunch of reasons, right? Sometimes it's just because we enjoy it. It's therapeutic. You know, it's a way to deal with our issues. Some people journal. We might songwrite. It's a great way to create something that will live beyond us, right? Because if you write a song, that song exists forever. Uh, so, you know, you made something that that can outlive you. There's a whole bunch of good reasons to songwrite. But no matter what those reasons are, sometimes you're going to sit there and be like, man, this is rough. This song just isn't coming together. It's kind of frustrating. There's going to be elements of the process that maybe you hate it every time, or maybe it's just not always fun. And you need to be able to put the work in when that time comes. Because ultimately, you're not going to end up having good songs if you only songwrite when it's super enjoyable and when the muse has visited you and the music is flowing and the words are flowing. You're just you're just not you're just not going to get anything done. And when you do get things done, it's going to be overly reliant on this muse that you can't control, inspiration that you can't control. And ultimately, you'll get less done and you won't grow as a songwriter because for anything, you can't just be a slave to your muse or to your inspiration, right? Like, no, you need to you need to put the work in whether you are inspired or not to an extent. But on the other side, you're way more likely to lose interest and quit the more time you spend frustrated while songwriting instead of enjoying the process. So overall, we need to play the game within the game, which overall is figuring out how do we stay in the game, which in this case is how do we how do we play the psychological games with ourselves to make sure that we keep songwriting. And sometimes what that looks like is taking a step back and saying, look, 
yes, there's one song that I need to finish for the upcoming EP. But right now, I'm getting frustrated. It's been two months, three weeks, six months, however long it's been. It just isn't working. I'm getting frustrated. I'm starting to dread songwriting every time I sit down to do it every day or every weekend or whenever I songwrite. That's when you know that you need to take a break from that song and work on an aspect of songwriting that will excite you and reinvigorate you. So three simple ideas if you're ever in this scenario where you're just not enjoying songwriting anymore. One, have a songwriting session that's just coming up with song ideas. We talked about this in depth recently, but the idea is that you are just sitting at your computer, wherever you are, maybe you're Googling images or art, maybe you go to an art museum, Maybe you simply watch some short films on YouTube. Maybe you watch, uh, this is something I did recently, you watch those those like YouTube videos that are kind of depressing that are like interviewing people and asking people to, to recount the meanest thing somebody's ever said to them or the most hurt they've ever been or, or, or reliving, you know, the last thing that their ex said to them before they broke up with them or whatever, right? It, and, and those things, I, I don't know, I have a divided opinion on those things, and, but, but, but as songwriters, they can be very useful because sometimes people say profound things as they have the tears in their eyes from some of their darkest moments that can turn into songs. Or sometimes you'll get a story that's like, wow, you know, maybe, maybe you were one and done, right? The first person you dated was, was, is the person that you're now married to, which great, that's awesome for you. But you know, maybe listening to these stories can help you understand and empathize with somebody who didn't have that experience. And then maybe that gives you a chance to write the type of song you normally wouldn't. But anyway, what's usually very fun is just coming up with ideas and not having any pressure to do anything with the idea. You just write down the idea and move on. That's fun. That's fun. I mean, it's kind of like, just in general, ideas are fun, right? Because you don't have to actually put any work into it, right? Me and my friends just talking about like good ideas we think would, would make a good Star Wars show or how we would make the sequel trilogy not complete and total trash. Like that's fun, right? Because we don't actually have to put the work in. We just think about it. We say our idea and then we get to move on. This is the same idea, but for songwriting, for songs, so that can be really enjoyable. Another thing, just sit and improvise with your instrument. Go back to the root of what made you want to write music, which probably was you noodling on your guitar or tickling the ivories or whatever it is they say. I'm a pianist, I probably should know. But that and 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 just improvising and coming up coming across something, an interesting riff or chord progression or hook that you're like, "Woo, I should do something with this." Right? That's the exciting Maybe the most exciting part of songwriting, even if it's the easiest part of songwriting, is just like improvising until you find something that you think is something good to then build a song off of. But that's fun. That can reinvigorate your creativity. And then you can also work on developing out the idea for a new song. For more on this, check out my free lyric checklist, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist, because this talks about this more in depth than we have time to do in this episode. But the main idea is really just doing some background work on on your song. So maybe you have a song title, maybe you have a riff or a hook or something. And then 
you just literally sit down and you maybe do some prose writing, right? You maybe grab some images from the internet that evoke the same emotion or art that sort of is telling a similar story to what your song is going for. You all, you put it all into one document and then it's something that you can reference and look at to be able to then write your lyric off of. And you already have prose writing, almost like journaling from the point of view of the main character of your song. So you have that to work off of. Maybe you have a pool of words to work off of because you did a related words document. These are some of the things that you should try doing when you realize you don't like songwriting anymore. And by don't like songwriting anymore, I mean it's just become kind of a hassle in the last, I don't know, week, two weeks, two months. Because ultimately, we all have to deal with our different levels of frustration. So maybe for you, you can do six months of not really enjoying moment to moment the songwriting process and still not even consider quitting. But maybe for somebody else, if they don't enjoy songwriting for four weeks straight, they're already on the way to quitting. So you need to know yourself and play the game within the game, which is how do I stay in the game of songwriting? Sometimes I need to put down the elements of songwriting that are frustrating me that, yes, I do need to work through at some point because ultimately you have to put the work in. Not every part of a song is going to come together with serendipity and magic and ponies are flying through the air. That's not how it's going to work. But you need to have balance. You can't ever let yourself get to the point that you forget that you love songwriting because you're diving so deeply into one song that you feel like you have to finish that isn't enjoyable. Go back to the roots. Go back to some of the more fun elements of developing out a song because you must never lose sight of the enjoyable elements of songwriting and why you're a songwriter in the first place. And this brings us to point number two, which is that humans tend to, to quit anything that they're not feeling like they're progressing in. So how do we address that? We keep upping the ante with learning, which is going to accomplish basically two things. One as you're learning more and more about songwriting and things that are tangential to songwriting. Number one, you'll get the satisfaction of constantly getting better at songwriting. This is one of the most universal rules of almost anything, which is that people are going to quit something or they're going to stop enjoying something if they don't feel like they're getting better for almost anything. Even for things that you might think are just enjoyable as is, if you keep playing Super Smash Brothers or Mario Kart and you don't get any better and your friend keeps kicking your butt because you're not really getting better and they maybe are getting better or maybe they're not getting better either but they're better than you are and you feel like you're stagnant, you're going to learn to hate that game. If, if, if after two more seasons of playing basketball, you're like, man, I'm just as good as I was two seasons ago, you're probably going to lose interest and quit. And not everybody maybe works this way. And there's, of course, there's nuance to this, right? Some things we're going to quit more quickly than others when we feel like we're not getting better. But if we continue to challenge ourselves with learning more about songwriting, we are less likely to get stagnant and quit. Also, the other thing that keeping up the ante with learning gets us 
is that you'll become less and less limited as a songwriter, which makes it less and less likely you'll get stuck and more likely you'll be able to write whatever you put your mind to. So overall, if you get better at an instrument or singing, you've opened the doors to being able to write more sophisticated or interesting instrument parts, such as hooks, or more impressive or varied vocal melodies. Whereas if you're stuck in four chord land, where you just play the same four chords over and over again, or you just, you know, you're a basic level guitarist and you just stay there, then eventually you're probably going to lose a little bit of interest because you're not getting better. And eventually that's probably going to affect you. And you'll also be more limited as a songwriter. Because I think sometimes people don't think about this stuff enough. Because one of the common things, which this is one of the main reasons I like ad nauseum preach music theory. There's many reasons, one of which is just one of those things that has like a stupid reputation that comes from ignorance of the people who perpetuated it initially. And then people continue to fall for it, which frustrates me. It frustrates me that people... I, I don't know. I think a lot of people tell people like, oh, you don't need music theory just because that's what people want to hear. Um, and then also needs a funny word, right? Like you don't need anything. You don't need to know anything about poetry to write a song either. You don't need to even know how to, I don't know. You don't even need to know music to write a song technically, right? Like just need is such a silly word. But overall, any piece of knowledge that is useful to songwriting is something that we should eventually pursue because it's going to make us less and less limited for what we do. The more you learn about music theory, the, the more you learn about lyric writing, the more that you get better at your instrument, the more that you learn more advanced theory and get better at things like modes and borrowed chords and those things, your music is going to be less and less limited compared to the person who can only write songs in the key of G major with their guitar because all they know is a G major chord, an E minor chord, a C major chord, a D major chord, and then, oh yay, they know an E major chord and like an A major too, and then A minor, and like maybe two more. Like, you're just so limited, so limited. And could you write 100 songs with that? Yeah, sure. I mean, technically, you could write literally 100 songs with the exact same chord progression. But that's going to bore you. You're not going to get any better at songwriting. And you'll be incredibly limited as a songwriter. Just incredibly limited. And those things are likely going to prompt you to quit. Not to mention that it kind of makes sense that you would quit because if you're unwilling to learn, I don't know, basic music theory, basic lyric writing getting a little bit better at your instrument every single year or every single month, like just working at getting better, then you don't really take the craft of songwriting seriously anyway. But overall, keep upping the ante with learning. And make sure that you're combining two things. One is you have to actually songwrite. Podcasts, YouTube videos, books, all that are great. But those should be supplementary, not the main thing. So you should spend more time, generally, songwriting than you do learning about songwriting via this podcast or watching my YouTube videos or somebody else's YouTube videos 
or reading books. Those things are good, but they're supplementary. Ultimately, if your knowledge does not become practical knowledge, first of all, you'll probably forget it. If you don't put something to work, usually you're not going to remember that thing. So even if I teach you about keys and scales and modes and all that, if you don't then put it to work over the next couple of weeks after we talk about it, you're probably going to forget most of it. And then if you can't actually utilize the knowledge, then who cares? The knowledge doesn't matter, right? So it's important first and foremost to be doing, actually songwriting. And then it is also important to learn from others, whether that's this podcast, the YouTube videos, somebody else, doesn't really matter. But it's important to do that. Maybe take instrument lessons locally. Maybe you're sort of picked up the piano. Maybe take some piano lessons, some singing lessons maybe. All of that's important too because a teacher is able to help you avoid roadblocks and get better more efficiently because they can guide you with, hey, here's what you really need to know, right? So for example, just taking my music theory guide as an, exa as an example, yeah, you can go out and there's plenty of free resources that teach you a whole bunch of theory, but you're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to be like, which of this is really important? I, I don't even know where to begin. Most of those websites are also really boring looking and just like black and white. And they all look really classical oriented, which frankly is a boring look. Like I like classical music, but like the whole just black, white, refined, it just looks super boring. Like there's no exciting colors like orange and, and red and yellow and all that. But anyway. But if you take something like my music theory guide, which just teaches the four pillars, the four main things I think you need to know, the foundational thing, which is intervals, and then chords, chord progressions, and keys, that I know from experience gets you 90% of the way to everything you need to know to songwrite. Well, actually, I'd argue it gets you 100% of the way to everything you need to know, um, but it gets you like 80% of the results. There's a lot of other stuff that's useful and helpful, like learning modes and getting deeper with different types of chords, like sus chords and seventh chords and all that. Yeah, sure, borrowed chords. All of that stuff is useful too. But the most useful stuff, the stuff that gets you most bang for your buck are those four. So that's why I teach you those four, because I understand you don't have all the time in the world. You don't have time to like, nor do you want to probably go, you know, figure out for yourself what's the most important theory to know. So you go to people like me or like whoever else you pay attention to on YouTube, Rick Beato, I don't know, whoever you listen to or whatever. Because they already know and I already know how to skip over all the fluff that's going to be a waste of your time and the stuff you really need to know. So it is also important to learn from things like podcasts, YouTube videos, reading books. But that needs to be supplementary. So again, point number two, keep upping the ante with learning because you'll get the satisfaction of constantly getting better. It becomes addicting. It's kind of like saving money or investing money. As you see your net worth go up, it becomes more and more addicting. It becomes more and more easy to save more and more money because you, you're getting rewarded, right? Or going through a to-do list, right? As you check things off, you get more and more excited. Like, hey, I'm doing things. Cool, I did like four chores this morning. I, I'm ready to crush today. Or morning routine. This is essentially the idea of a morning routine too, right? You do things in the morning that you know you need to get done. The same things, it, it sets you on the right track for the rest of the day. This is sort of that, but longer term. 
It's not for one morning. It's just generally speaking, you're doing the things to make sure that you're set on the right track for your songwriting journey. And you making sure to take some time to make sure you're getting better at songwriting is going to make it more addicting. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm excited to get up tomorrow and songwrite because I'm getting better. In the same way that a morning routine might make you more excited to get up in the morning and have a productive day because, yeah, it's not a perfect analogy. That's one of my weaker analogies. I'm willing to admit it. But I came up with it off the top of my head in my defense. I hope you will forgive me. But anyway, and then the other thing is you'll be less and less limited as a songwriter, which means that you are less likely to get stuck because the more options that you have, the more weapons or tools you have at your disposal, the 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 less likely it is that you're going to get stuck. Just for an easy example, if you literally know four chords, literally four, then you are extremely limited compared to somebody that knows and under that understands the underlying theory of chords in general and has all of the chords at their disposal. World of difference. Even if it's just all the chords that come naturally within a key, much less if they also understand borrowed chords and some of the common ways to make borrowed chords work in the context of a song, much less if they understand the art of key changes or utilizing modes in parts of the music and all the other stuff. So keep upping the ante with learning so that you will still be a songwriter in 10 years. And lastly, shift your expectations to be healthy. So overall, I've been encouraged that almost every person who's emailed me seems to have healthy expectations. Um, but sometimes, I've probably gotten a couple emails, and then I've also seen a bunch of YouTube comments that, as well as looking at other places online where people do not have healthy expectations. Generally, you need to enjoy this journey of songwriting and not see it as a road to a destination. For example, if you see songwriting as a means to an end, such as success, fame, or fortune, you're, you're screwed. Like, just wave the white flag right now or decide in your heart and head that you're going to change it and make it so that you enjoy the journey instead. Because even if it were likely, which it isn't, that you will have any version of, you know, fame and fortune from your music, incredibly unlikely. I mean, you're like better off doing the lottery. Seriously. Especially if you're talking about like being a pop star. I'm pretty sure literally it is true that you have a better chance at winning the lottery. Even a big lottery. Because there's what? 10 relevant pop stars in the last like five years? Maybe 20? I don't know. Even that feels like it's stretching it. Right? Every generation there's like 10, 20. You think you're going to be one of those? And I'm not saying you can't, right? And I'm not saying I can't or anything like that. Maybe that's not even what you're going for. I'm not really going for that. And hopefully you're not going for that. But what we should be going for, I think, is just be proud of the work we do. And yeah, of course, we want some version of success out of it. That's a, that's a healthy thing. But ultimately, we can't be in love with the idea of being famous and making tons of money from our music. Because then we're not in love with the actual music. We're in love with the delusion of what the music can get us. In general, it's just super rare that anyone finds success in anything they don't enjoy. One of the tropes you hear over and over again from successful actors, artists, directors, musicians, and business owners even, is 
I don't even know what I'd be doing if this didn't work out. I guess I'd still just be doing this because I love it, right? Like the actor that's like, ah, I'd just be doing a local playhouse in Nowheresville, New Hampshire, because they just love the craft. And that's how they were able to make it, is they weren't concentrating on the benefits of making it. They were concentrating on being great at what they do. So overall, it's important to stop aiming for things that you and I can't control and are unlikely to achieve, like I want to be a famous pop star, or how do I write a hit song? But instead, focus on what we can control, which is getting better at what we do, not expecting that, oh, we release music, so everybody's going to like surround us and and clap for us, and everybody's going to naturally promote our music, and then soon we'll have 10,000 fans just because we put it out there. If we build it, they will come. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. It won't work that way. We need to not expect that. And I'm not saying this to be a Debbie Downer. I know this might sound, some of you might be not happy with this, but I'm just trying to be real with you. Because a lot of people get unnecessarily disappointed because they have ridiculously unreasonable expectations. And the idea that people are just going to find your music and if you write good enough music, people are just going to magically find it is it's just no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Of course, you're more likely to have some version of natural growth and any growth that you do have is going to likely be more significant if you're generally good at what you do. But you could write the greatest song ever written and just throw it up on YouTube and it might get 10 views. That's the reality. The idea that like every single person who listens to it is then going to tell every single person they know, go listen to this song. And then those people are all going to love it and actually listen to the song. And then they're going to tell 10 people and Look, I get it. We can build it up in our heads like, uh, oh, yeah, we just threw, throw music out there and, and soon we're going to be Justin Bieber, except actually I'm not going to insult Justin Bieber. He gets too much hate. I'm just going to say that. He actually writes pretty good melodies too. And yes, he's a pop star and his songwriting isn't great, and all, but he writes a good melody and he gets way too much hate. But anyway, we need to shift our expectations to be healthy. We need to make sure that we're aiming for the right thing because if we're not, we're just going to quit. Because if you think, oh, I'm just going to learn to write a hit song because I watched some YouTube video, clickbait YouTube video that says how to write a hit song. Um, and, and yeah, because that, yes, that random YouTuber who doesn't have a hit song definitely knows the recipe of how to write a hit song. Not to mention even famous artists who write hit after hit, don't know how to write a hit song. You know how I know that? Because every single artist ever has its time, and then they stop having their time. When's the last time Paul McCartney or any Beatle was remotely relevant on, and I'm not saying they're old songs that they wrote like 60 years ago. I'm talking about like, when is the last time that you heard on pop radio, or you even cared about a new song Paul McCartney wrote. And maybe he doesn't even, I don't even know if he writes songs anymore. He probably does, and nobody cares. Because I don't care who you are, Taylor Swift's gonna meet the same fate someday. She already has had a way longer shelf life than most pop stars. Most pop stars are like three years of relevance and gone. Maybe they get lucky and they're like Katy Perry and have like five where they peak. 
And even Cade Perry now is kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like I haven't really noticed anything from her in years. But maybe it's just because I don't care. But even the hit writers, which they don't, most of those people don't write their own songs anyway. But even the hit writers don't know how to write a hit song. And the idea that hit songs just come naturally because somebody's out there looking for the best songs, like, no, no. It's a it's a business machine, which is how crap like WAP ends up being a number one hit because record companies pay to get on the radio. The radios promote the songs they're paid to do. And then people listen to those songs and then people blindly and apparently deftly learn to like music that the radio feeds them. And that's largely how it works. I know it's disappointing. I know it sucks. But that's the reality. That's how you can have artists that even if you thought they used to be good, you're like, that is a giant piece of crap. How did that end up on the radio? Well, the answer is because it doesn't it doesn't work like, oh, you just write a great song and it becomes a hit. We all like the like 10 stories of something sort of like that happening. But that is very much the exception, not the rule. So we need to shift our expectations to be healthy. And the reason I'm so passionate about this is I had unhealthy expectations when I started. And when I worked so hard while I was in college, and specifically to be a software developer, I was anal about grades. So, you know, an engineering degree forced myself to get straight A's. It was a lot of work. And the little bit of social time that I would have had, I sacrificed all of that to work on recording an album with my band. That's what I did. So I really didn't have hardly any of a social life for two years of college. So I expected, and this was delusional, I shouldn't have, but I did. I expected that when I was done with it, my friends, after seeing how hard we worked on it, would go out of their way and promote it. And I I also feel like I had this level of delusion that we just like put it out there and it would slowly grow and all that. No, that's not how it works. And I never should have expected that. Yeah, sure, your good friends will will like give you a shout out on Facebook or whatever. And the five, 10 people that see the post will then like two of them will listen to it and be like, oh yeah, cool. And then they'll move on with their lives because that's how it works. And the reality is no matter how good your songs are as well, like just because of the genre they're in, like 80% of people are not going to like it automatically. And another 10% of people aren't going to like it just because it's not exactly their cup of tea or maybe something about your voice isn't their their style or their favorite. Or So again, another delusion I think we have is like, oh, if it's a great song, everybody will love it. Like, nope. Nope, that's that's not true. That's not true. Maybe you love Taylor Swift and you know that I viscerally hate Taylor Swift, right? I don't get it. I like I I think overrated doesn't even remotely cover my feelings on Taylor Swift. And yet you you might like her, right? And you might not even be able to imagine how it is that I can't stand her. But that's that's reality, right? And some of my favorite artists you might listen to and be like, "Really? He loves them? Why?" Because again, there's such thing as taste. So this whole rant is just to get at, it's really important to have healthy expectations. That way we don't get devastated when our unhealthy expectations are wrong. Because when my unhealthy expectations got proven wrong, 
I almost didn't, I, I largely didn't songwrite for like two years because I was so just devastated by, we put all this work in and nobody cares. And it sucks because it, it's just kind of the reality, right? You have to go out and you have to find fans and all that. And if you don't, then again, it's not, if you build it, they will come. That's just not how it works. It's, it's not how it will ever work. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. It's just important that we don't have that expectation because then we'll be devastated when our expectation we never should have had in the first place is proven to be an unreasonable one, which it always was. So you need to enjoy those journey of songwriting and not see it as a road to a destination. All right, quick recap. The three tips to help you still be a songwriter in 10 years. One, get work done, but don't let it become work. Ultimately, some of songwriting is going to be work. That's just the reality. If you care about the craft of songwriting, if you care about songwriting, some of it is not going to be enjoyable all the time. And you need to make sure that it never is so much of the time that it's unenjoyable that you forget that you actually love songwriting. So go back to basics, go back to the parts of it that you do find enjoyable, work on a song that isn't frustrating you, whatever it might be, to make sure you're playing the psychological game with yourself, that you enjoy enough of songwriting within any given month or year that you're not going to quit on it. Number two, keep upping the ante with learning. If you get better at something, you're less likely to quit. And if you become less and less limited as a songwriter by learning new things, then it's less and less likely you'll get stuck and more likely you'll be able to write whatever you put your mind to, which then usually means that you're going to get stuck less, you're going to be frustrated less, and you're going to enjoy songwriting more. And then lastly, shift your expectations to be healthy. Don't shoot for a hit song. Write great songs. Don't shoot for a hit song and success and fame and fortune. Shoot for becoming a great songwriter and becoming better at songwriting every day. Know that it's a journey. Enjoy the journey of getting better one little bit at a time. So if today you are a person that you got kind of irritated with me when I poked fun at four chords and you're thinking, honestly, that's kind of me. That's cool. That's fine. What's important is that you're dedicated to not staying a four chord person, right? And that can be something as small as learn one chord a week because after a month you will have doubled the amount of chords, you know, or just check out my music theory guide, which will teach you the underlying theory so that you understand not just four chords, but you understand things like, oh, in the context of the key of C major, C major is the one chord, G major is the five chord, A minor is the sixth chord. And then because I under, understand the underlying theory of that and what a one, five, one chord, five chord, and six chord are, I also can take that and apply it to D major and know that the equivalent chord progression, one, five, six, would be a D major and then an A major and then a B minor in the context of D major. Or in E major, it would be E major, B major, C sharp minor. So if you understand the underlying theory, then you get way more bang for your buck compared to just learning one chord at a time. But this... The, these small things can be ways to make sure that you're learning just enough to 
to keep it exciting and to keep adding to your toolbox. Like right now, I'm just working on getting better at integrating borrowed chords into songs. So there's two songs that I was stuck on what the music should do in the bridge. One, technically, I wrote bridge music, but I was bored to tears from it. It was by far the worst part of the song. It was noticeable, so I'm like, I, th this needs to be ripped out. I need to change it. And I couldn't get anything to work within the key. So I'm like, hey, I just talked about borrowed chords recently. I should figure out what the right borrowed chord to leverage in this bridge is. And I did. I did. I ended up using a major two chord in, in place of a minor two chord. And then I did that major two chord into a four chord into a five chord. And what that got me is, is in, in, in the key, it was C major. And then, it, so I did a D major chord for that major two chord. And normally it would be a D minor, which means that it had an F sharp where it normally would be an F natural. So because I went from that major two chord with the F sharp, which is the one note that is outside of the key of C major, but then went immediately to my four chord, which is an F major chord, which has an F natural instead of F sharp, that immediately told the listeners in their ears, whether they realize it or not, hey, don't forget, really we're in C major where F is natural, not sharp. And then go to the G major chord, the five chord, and then that sets up to go right back into the chorus, which opens with the one chord. So from there, I'm like, man, I, I just want to get really, really good at, at even in improvisation, being able to just throw in a borrowed chord in a way that sounds great. I want to get better at that. So I'm concentrating on that. And already it's helped me finish the music for two songs in the last like three weeks. And really by three weeks, I mean, it was like one night for, for one of them. It was like 20 minutes maybe. And I figured it out. And the other one was like 20 minutes the next night. It just was over the course of these three last three weeks or so that, that that's happened. All to say, even little things you learn can go a long way in your songwriting if you're intentional about it. And then, of course, shift your expectations to be healthy. I know that was a very long, <laughs> a very long, long explanation on learning. But I figure I'll give you something real and tangible that I've done recently to show you just how much one little thing that you concentrate on learning and adding to your toolbox can make a huge difference. I was super stuck on a bridge, and then concentrating on borrowed chords made me not stuck. So anyway, I mentioned all three of the current free guides I have out there in this episode. I'll throw all three links into the description. So be sure to check those out. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate every single one of you for listening. I appreciate those of you who shoot me emails. I appreciate those of you who have been kind enough to leave kind reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever else there are reviews. I believe Spotify has reviews as well. All of those really help me out. So thank you to those of you who have done that. If you haven't already and you enjoy the podcast, that's a great way to be able to help me out. But regardless, thank you so much for listening. Hope it was helpful to you. So go songwrite and know that you'll probably be a songwriter 10 years from now because you're making sure to do these things. <laughs>